Okay, so welcome everybody to our latest uh, podcast and we're very pleased today to have uh, Keith and Claire Spencer join us and I think the title of the podcast is Married to Each Other and Married to the Business, which is a, which is a, great, uh, a great title. <laughs> Keith, Claire, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thank Hiya, you. Bob. Thank you so much. You're surviving lockdown well by the look of the pair of you. And I know people listening in can't see you, but we're actually on a Zoom call, so I can see you. And it's good <laughs> to see the smiling uh, faces. Um, the object really today, the purpose of today is to give people a little insight into Keith and Claire and the world of Keith and Claire. So maybe the first question I'll ask you is, uh, tell us a little bit about your forever journey, how you came to get involved all those years ago and, uh, and and what's happened to you since? Well, first of all, it's Claire and Keith. So <laughs> I'm the lead. <laughs> first direction. So, so yeah, partner, Claire. That's the recipe to a happy marriage. <laughs> Put your wife first. Um, no, so, oh my gosh, I've been with Forever. Well, I started Forever. We've been with Forever. I started 11 and a half years ago. Wow has flown by. I still remember trembling standing on that stage next to you when I got a supervisor and I had no idea what on earth was going on. It was, it was such a, a crazy exciting time. But my before forever, I worked as a childminder. I'd come from the police. I was in the control room. So I was working loads of shifts, had two very young kids, a baby and, um, and a toddler. And because I was working shifts, I was never seeing Spence. We call him Spence. Nobody calls yep. him Keith. <laughs> Only his mom called him Keith. <laughs> um, it sounds like a crazy uncle otherwise. And yeah, so we never saw each other. And I was looking for something to do that I could spend more time as a family. Uh, Spence was diagnosed with testicular cancer. I hope you don't mind me sharing that. But that was a massive shift in our lives. And I think when something big and crazy like that happens in your world, it really makes you assess things. And I just thought, you know what, we never see each other. How can I spend more time with him? And I had this wild idea that I would start childminding. So anyone in lockdown who's been stuck with your kids at home, that was my world. So I completely understand how you feel. Don't forget the nail technicians. Oh, oh my and gosh. The bedazzled, uh, bejeweled bags. Yes. So really entrepreneurial then. Yeah, I think I had an entrepreneurial mindset and Spence was always in the background just rolling his eyes. Yeah. So <laughs> inevitably when I started forever, it was another eye roll. It was, what are you doing now? Um, but childminding led me to forever. I was never on the school run because I was always either working on shift in the police or I was asleep in bed because I did night shifts. So my childminder was always doing the school runs and things like that. And it was when I was doing the school run childminding I was very vocal about how miserable my life was. And I think if you, if you know people like that, show them forever. So I think it was raining. I had a double buggy. I had toddlers either side of the double buggy and a few school children I was taking. I was just whinging and moaning about how rubbish it was. And Tina, my sponsor said, come and have a look at what I'm doing. She literally started like two weeks before. She, she had no idea what she was doing. How did um, you know Tina? Say again, sorry. How did you know Tina? So I knew Tina, she was almost a bit famous at our school because she okay. was one of the Worcester Warriors rugby players. Okay. So Tina was this like idol at our school. She'll love hearing this on the podcast. So we were like, oh, everyone needs to hang around with Tina because she's one of the cool moms. Um, but yeah, we became friends because our kids are at the same preschool, kids at the same school. So if you've got that kind of network around you, that school network, really dive into that. 
and she took me to head office so she brought me to Longridge Manor um, before it was all decorated so it was very traditional yeah. um, and I just saw 200 pounds that was my cap that was all I saw 200 pounds per month because that would give us that extra because I was looking for uh, working in pubs I was going to get a second job as a, in a bar yeah. and after looking after kids all day that would finish me off so yeah that was my that was how I got started I didn't tell Spence that I'd paid for a business box because I'd paid 500 pounds for a nail course, a home nail course, which I kept in a basket on top of my fridge and the hand that had a clamp on it to clamp to your table to practice on was looming over the top of this basket. And every time he opened the fridge door, he was like, 500 blooming pounds. <laughs> something out of a horror film, that sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite scary. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I kind of hid that from him. But he's grateful that I did that now. I've also bought a house behind his back as well. So I'm very good at just getting out. the surprises then, yeah. And Spence, <laughs> what, what were you doing at this stage, Spence? What was I was uh, a project manager in the construction industry and I was traveling all over the country. I was in Scotland in one day, London the next. Yeah. I'd only have like one or two days in the office in Worcester. Um, and that's why we rarely saw each other. What yeah. scared me the most when you rang me from the side of the motorway? What, when I said I nearly fell asleep? Yeah. Um, I, I'd often ring Claire on my way back because generally you'd have to be on site for eight o'clock in the morning, wherever it was. Yeah. So it was very early starts early getting start there. Yeah. Very early start getting there for site inductions. And then you do your bit of couple of hours on site and then it would be, you know, making your way back from wherever you were. So you know, I quite often ring Claire and say, I'm on my way back. Oh, I'm so tired. You know, she'd be like, pull over and have a sleep. And I'm like, no, I've got to get back to the office. And she's just go and have half an hour somewhere. You know, find myself sleeping in uh, the car in uh, service stations and things like that. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was, you know, it was, I was busy. I was enjoying it. It was a good job. You know, I was up and down meeting lots of people. Uh, it was quite, you know, technical job. I, I love that sort of side of the business. And I was getting uh, lots of big contracts. And that's why when I was diagnosed with my testicular cancer, I didn't re I took a week, two weeks off when I had my operation, but um, I was back in the office. And then what I do is schedule my uh, radiotherapy treatment at Cheltenham the days that I was in the office in Worcester so I could nip over in my lunch break and just get it done and come back and that was because I was paid on uh, a bonus basis based on the jobs that I ran so you know if I kept on top of the jobs income was fine as soon as I took my foot off the gas that income would drop and you know we couldn't afford that really so that's what that's what it that's where I was doing and it wasn't until I mean, Claire started 11 years ago and coming up, I think it's actually now, is my seventh year. Seventh year. Yeah. And uh, I waited that long because I wanted to see the stability and I wanted to see the income. And, you know, when I first saw that Claire had replaced the child mind and I thought, this is brilliant. But I did get a little bit jealous because she was just hanging out, drinking coffee. <laughs> Uh, That's what I thought my job was, just having <laughs> coffee with people. You're beating up and down the motorway, yeah? <laughs> yeah, inviting like 10 people around, uh, sending me and the kids and the dogs upstairs while she had people around doing the trainings. Um, but, you know, it was, it was 
I was thinking, okay, this is okay. This is, this looks good. It's actually working. And I just wanted to see that stable income and it, and it just grew and grew and grew. And then I think it was, Hawaii was 2013, wasn't it? Yes. And uh, went to global rally in Hawaii. And I then met the forever culture. I, that was the first time I invited him on one of our rallies because okay. he wasn't allowed to come because he wasn't very supportive. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd always take a team member or a friend. And this was the first time I was like, right, you're allowed to come because you're being nice about it now. And before this, that, I thought it was just a woman's thing. This world you're describing, and obviously not the testicular cancer, that's a very serious thing to have, but this world of where, you know, people couples don't often see each other because you, you're both so busy trying to support the family and make a living and you're like ships that pass in the night. So, the, you know, whenever I think about the opportunity we have, I think about there must be hundreds of thousands of people like you were mm. out there yeah, who were just looking for another way. Um, it's, it's, it's just having that courage, isn't it, to take that step and, and have the confidence in that step. I think the variety that Forever gives you as well means that we've got very different job roles within our yeah. business. So I suppose I'm more front of house, bringing in prospects and, and uh, retailing and things like that. And you're very much supporting behind the scenes. Making everything run smoothly. <laughs> yeah, he basically runs everything. <laughs> and I'm just the show pony at the front. <laughs> well, it's good to have that, uh, you know, that's... Uh, different roles and, and different uh, skills that you bring to a business so you know um, you, you may joke about that but actually it's a big advantage when you have those different skill sets because every business needs different it has yeah. different roles isn't it and uh, you're able to do that so you, you're a great team in that way I think that gives us different imagine things to if talk we were about. both the same both oh, yeah, exactly. we would have killed each other <laughs> two yeah. show ponies that wouldn't be good <laughs> <laughs> He's, I'm very highly strung, but I'm passionate. I think that's passionate, that's my, my yeah. positive. Spence is very laid back, and it makes a, takes a long time to make a decision. So, which is why I bought a house behind his back, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I started forever behind his back. He would have just mulled it over for three years. So, I think it works. He keeps me grounded, but I keep him yeah. motivated. But yeah, like, yeah, and, and a little bit, a little yeah. bit daring. Yeah, which is good. So, so initially you said you, your motivation was, uh, you know, to replace the, the childcare income around £200 a, a month or something like that would have been fantastic. And then a few seconds later, Keith, you said, you know, one of the significant things was qualifying to go for Hawaii. So, I mean, how, what happened? How did, how did you move from the £200 to a more significant business? I think it was seeing him so stressed. So a lot of people in the corporate world are literally tied to their jobs. So he would come home, he would be stressed out throughout the week. He'd come home on a Friday. We'd, you'd probably have too much to drink. Not, not that mm -hmm. there was a problem or anything, but just trying to forget about the week, you know, open a bottle of wine, whatever. Saturday, we'd try and have a family day, try and do something with the kids, but I could see Sundays, he'd get tetchy, he'd be looking at his work emails, so he'd never switch off, never relax, and I just thought, it, I made the decision, he didn't think it was ever going to happen, but I remember I said to you, I'm going to get you out of that job, and he was like, all right, whatever, but I made him type out his resignation letter, on the date that he wanted to resign and I, I put it on the fridge and he again didn't believe it because it was very early on but as the the time rolled over the years passed it was still sat on that fridge subconsciously it was going in and when I invited him <laughs> to the rally with me 
we were on stage to get our first check. I think it was $6,000, which was really exciting. And um, we were about to meet Rex and he whispered to me, I'm quitting my job. As we went to meet Rex, so I'm meeting Rex at the first, for the first time ever. <laughs> and check. he's whispered to me, I'm quitting my job. I was like, I didn't know who to hug first. It was such an exciting moment. And I think it was just giving him that opportunity to do whatever he wants with his life and to have that freedom to choose what he wants. And it's just, you're, now I think you look 10 years younger, you haven't got that stress. I think I'm the biggest stress in his life, which yeah, yeah, <laughs> can be quite stressful living with me. <laughs> but yeah, that was my motivation. It was, it was so we could both enjoy the, the lifestyle, not just me. That's a great story though, that you actually wrote the resignation letter some years yeah. before you resigned and it was on the fridge. I mean, if, if anybody wants an example of sort of goal setting or visualization, I don't know whether you actually realized that at the time, but that's a fantastic example of, you know, if you think about something you want in the future and work towards that, then the world has a way of uh, making that happen for you. And that must have been a fantastic moment. It was, yeah. I mean, I, like you said, I thought it was, Hooey. I just thought, okay, I'll write this letter and I'll put it on there and, yeah. you know, I'll keep going back to the grind. And it was, and it was one of those things that just kept in the, in your peripheral vision, just kept yeah. seeing and thinking, what if, you what know, if. Yeah. what if, what if. Yeah. And then when it did get to the point, you know, thinking, you know, I couldn't do that anyway. It's a woman's business. And then when we went to Hawaii, I met Paul Baradale. And I sat down and had a chat with him and Claire. And I said, so you do this as well, you know? And then uh, I think it was at, uh, Alan Goldsborough. He was yeah. marching us over to the convention center. Yeah. And I thought, oh, who's this lanky bloke here? You know? and <laughs> I went and had a chat with him and, you know, lovely guy. And I thought, brilliant. Yeah. And that's when, that was before we went to get the check. And that's when I said to her, look, okay, I'll, I'll yeah. give it a go. This concept of what if is so important because I think so many of us, um, you know, go through school, university, go to work and, and you lose the what if, don't you? Your, your, your world becomes, you know, the world you're in of employment and what somebody else has chosen to pay you. And the concept that you could think beyond that for most people, they, they lose that concept very early on. And I think to keep that concept of being able to dream, visualize and have that what if mentality is really, really important, really important. And enough though, a year after you quit, the company folded, didn't it? Yeah. I'm not saying you were the one because, that was holding it together. It's because I left. <laughs> <laughs> but there's Again, no security out there, is there? No security, no. But, you know, I think once you've done what you've done, you know that you can build a business and you, the skills you learn will keep you safe for the rest of your lives, for sure. So I you've forever with no, no skills, no qualifications. I left school yeah. at 15, never went to uni. It was just just a passion and i've learned everything i've learned from the, the people in it yeah so you know from a, that point of joining 200 pound a month to now having a, a massively successful global business you know new people joining today uh, with the experience that you now have what would you say are the most important things for a new forever business owner to be focusing on to, to get that belief and that momentum I definitely think you need to tap into the company ethos, the trainings, what's going on very early on. Yeah. Um, a lot of teams within Forever, they have very great, you know, fantastic team spirit, team vibes. I think we're all very good at being very inclusive. Yeah. And I think as a new person, really throw yourself into that. So when I started, 
it was with Natalie Healy's team. So it was very much, we had weekly trainings. It was different. We had no internet, no, 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 you know, no social media, no Zoom or anything. She was local. Yeah. So going along to those meetings massively helped me. So now there's so much more at your fingertips. There's so much to learn. And it's, I'm big into goal setting, really understand why, why you want to do this, what you want to achieve. You might not believe you can hit the bigger things, but just start with a small goal and focus on that. And that's what I did. My goal for supervisor was because I wanted a bit of lino in my downstairs toilet and I couldn't afford to have it fitted by a fitter because we needed that money. So it was those small baby steps and just listen to the people who are around you guiding you and yeah. just go for it. There's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. You'll find a way that works for you. Um, and pick, just pick at all those different people, pick at those leaders, pick up tips from lots of different people and implement them into your business. Yeah. And those small success steps just build your confidence, don't they? They build your belief. And so, you know, what seemed like a mountain when you started all of a sudden becomes something that's second nature. I think that's what people need to understand. It's a journey they're on. And, uh, you know, when, when people are on webinars now or in the near future, hopefully at our live events and they see people like yourself and other successful FBOs on stage, you have to understand that everybody's been through the same journey. They didn't just suddenly arrive in that polished state. Um, you know, they were apprehensive, nervous, wondered whether it would work for them, scared even to take some of the actions in the early days. We've all been in that place, haven't we? Definitely, 100%. When I got my new lino, when I hit supervisor, I showed all my team. Yeah. <laughs> I got them all into my little downstairs loo. But look at my floor. I was so proud, just that. I was so, so proud. And like the chairman, my first chairman's bonus check, I didn't care what it was, even if it was a pound. Just yep. the fact that I got it, it was, I'd never had recognition before in my previous careers. Yeah. So that even that side of it, people crave recognition out there. So just that element is really helping people. So tip number one was, you know, get involved in the company, um, you know, attending the trainings, whether they be online virtual ones now or in the near future physical ones. What else would you have people focus on? You mentioned the goal setting too. How, how, you know, when you're working with a new person, is the concept of goal setting natural to them or is that something that you have to sort of explain to them? No, I think most people probably spend their entire year planning their two week holiday than they do planning anything to do with their lives. So I find it's really, really hard for people, especially parents, um, mums especially, they always put themselves right at the back of the queue, the kids, the hubby, everything comes first. So when I uh, have a planning meeting with somebody, when they first get started, I think that takes the most amount of time just really helping somebody understand what is this going to do for you? Even that small income, let's say you're earning 200 pounds a month. What are you going to do with that? How is that going to enhance your life? And it might be something as, as boring and as miserable as paying off debt, but I get people to understand how will that make you feel? Because I'm a worrier, a natural worrier. So debt worries me. And when we had no money and the washing machine would break or the car would break down or something would happen, it would keep me awake at night. So attaching a feeling to a goal is really, really powerful. So if you can learn the art of being helping somebody feel that emotion, that can really, really help people get started. It's releasing the stress, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Stress is a killer. It's awful. Yeah. I think, you know, when you read uh, in in the media, so many people live 
on a you know a very tight budget. I was reading a few weeks ago that you know most people couldn't survive more than two months if they lost their job. You know they'd be through their savings and they'd be in dire straits. And well, look at now, people are really struggling with three months into lockdown, and I've got friends who are beauticians. Yep. Uh, who are now joining because they literally have no money coming in from anywhere. Yeah, it's uh, challenging times. And obviously we find ourselves in really unusual times, times that none of us have ever faced before this concept of lockdown. But how do you see the future, the the future for our industry and for forever living? I think, as a a guy, what do you think? I think that uh, this lockdown has kind of forced people to embrace sort of digital technology you know uh, zoom meetings before it was a bit you know that people would go and do their day job come home and that was it and they think oh god i've got to do what with what you know and they didn't really understand it um and now it's become a everyday part of everybody's life yeah. and i think that they can now see oh yeah it's easy enough to jump on a training it's easy enough to watch a recording it's easy enough to talk to somebody it doesn't matter where they are i mean you know We've got a team all over the world, you know, and it's easy enough. As long as you can get a, a time that suits both of you, it's easy enough to talk to somebody in Australia yeah. or Africa yeah. or whatever. I think also from a customer side of point of view, if we make it really easy for people to buy from us, mm. I think that's the key. Yeah. People don't want to go to the shops. People, you know, are scared out there. And giving them an easy way to shop, is really vital so as a team you know we put on little campaigns so maybe it's the clean nine campaign at the moment it's it's a like for like products campaign we've got going on i think forever has that as well where you know you show somebody look try this deodorant instead of what you're using now so making it simple for people to buy from us is the the future of the business and more and more people are really loving the fact that they can just pop me through a paypal and i'll get the product straight to them there's no hassle anymore at all um there's no stress of, of that uh, you know an online shopping and things like that so for the customer side i think it's brilliant for our side so many people are embracing working from home <laughs> everyone in my team who's got a job and like, <laughs> i want to go back to work yeah. so it is a definitely a new way people are realizing lifestyle is more important sometimes than than the career yeah. um, can have a great life this is the opportunity i think people are realizing actually yes network marketing can give you that if you work hard for it yeah i think a lot of people now have had time to reflect on their values haven't they and it isn't all about money and particularly if to earn that money you have to sacrifice a lot of family time by way of a commute or hours in the office i think uh, you know this has led people to think there must be a better way and i think when they've seen people like yourself who you know are comfortably working from home earning more than a career income and still have the time to enjoy each other's company and the family then that's you know what ultimately everybody would strive for i think the other thing i've observed is i mean our products have always been popular but people now i think are also more health conscious than ever before so you know we've got that double track approach of great products that help people with their health and the great opportunity that underpins it as well so it's uh, i've heard a number of leaders not just in forever but across our industry in the last months describe this as almost a golden era in our in our industry and i think that reflects the opportunity the opportunity is bigger than it's ever been before and i think you know for people who are listening to the podcast 
um, you know, hearing stories like yours of, of people who've been around 10 years, 12 years, 20 years, some of us, 26 years for me, in fact. Um, I still see this as a ground floor opportunity. I think, you know, that people shouldn't be discouraged by the fact some of us have been doing this for a long time. I think what we've proven is that it works, absolutely. Um, but the market is still absolutely untapped, in my opinion. Absolutely untapped. 100%. Definitely. Any final words for our listeners today, then? If you were in their shoes. If I was in your shoes, I would say, get your head down, get to work. You've got six months ahead of you. We've got crazy times ahead. People aren't really going to be going on holiday. So embrace the summer holidays. Get your kids involved with using the product. Showcase that. Have fun with it. Really enjoy your businesses. I always say to the team, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. And it's amazing what you can achieve in six months. If you really go for it, set those goals. And then, oh my gosh, I'm really excited to see all of the, everyone's businesses in forever in 2021 just explode massively. Yeah. Final word from you, Spence? Nothing. As the junior partner here, as we I think it's just a brilliant time. People are, like we said, people are open to having a look. Yeah. They're, they're wondering what if. Um, lots of men as well. Lots of men. Absolutely. It's an opportunity. Um, you know, we've got some great male figures throughout yeah. the forever world. Obviously, the top earner is um, a man. And the MD. Yeah. And the MD, obviously. <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, I think it's just a brilliant time. Like you said, it, it, it could be described as a golden age because people are open. Yeah. They've been through this difficult period and they're looking to see what is out there, what what could they do? Talk to and everyone. It's a brilliant time, yeah. It is. I think people are looking for that extra security and they recognise that perhaps that isn't what they're currently doing. You know, that's not as secure as perhaps they thought it might be. And I think you pair are great examples of how to get that uh, security and that balanced lifestyle. It's been great to be able to share a bit of time with you today. I'm sure anybody new listening into the podcast will have been inspired by the journey that you have and uh, encouraged that they too could share a very similar journey if they just take on board some of the ideas that you've shared with them today. So from all of us at the uh, head office, uh, Claire, Keith, we really appreciate all that you do for Forever You Can. It's been great to be able to interview you today. Have a great day. Thank Cheers, you. Bob. Thank you. Bye-bye.